Okay, so about 10 weeks ago, we started a series, and the whole premise of the series is, is that we, the leadership of our church, has been feeling that God is wanting to do something with us. He's wanting to do something with our church. He's wanting to do something with you, individually. But the reality is, is that we have realized that we're not ready for whatever it is that God has for us and that we need to spiritually get ready for what God wants to do, which means you've got to be where you need to be in your relationship with him. Now, so where do I, what does that mean, be ready? What does that mean to be where I need to be spiritually? Well, We've looked at the scripture, and and the scripture, one of the things that God tells us about many times is with reference to the Holy Spirit in our lives. We say, well, you know, George, I'm saved. I received the Holy Spirit when I got saved. I'm okay. So what do you mean? Well, yes, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit entered into your life. But there is an aspect of whether or not you allow the Holy Spirit to have control in your life. So you can be saved, still continue to do your own thing because you've quenched the Spirit, you've grieved the Spirit. But as believers, God wants us to have a more intimate relationship with Him and be empowered by the Spirit and allow the Spirit to guide us in our everyday lives. In fact, the Bible calls that being filled with the Spirit. In fact, that's what he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine. We understand drunkenness. When somebody's drunk, they're controlled by what, folks? The alcohol. Don't be drunk with wine, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. Talking about experiencing the fullness of Christ in our life. Now, we've talked in the earlier part of our series, we talked about how, well, as soon as we say that, people are like, whoa, wait a minute, George, hold on. That I've seen some crazy stuff, people doing some crazy things in the name of being filled. We're not talking about that. In fact, I think that's a distraction. Because when you look in the scripture, being filled or being empowered by the Spirit means being able to share Christ, to be witnesses of Him, to be guided by Him. It's not that other crazy stuff. So that's what we've been talking about. So we've been looking specifically about how do we get there. So I shared with you a passage of scripture that's familiar. You'll hear it, part of it, on the radio. But it's usually talking about bringing America to where America needs to be. That passage has nothing to do with America. It has to do with the believers of God. And that's 2 Chronicles chapter 7. But I want to focus on verse 13 through 15. Most times we look at verse 14, but I want to look at the whole passage together. So here's what God said to Solomon. When I shut up heaven, and there is no rain, and command the locusts to devour the land, and send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Look at verse 15. This is where we're going to focus today. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. 
Now, from this passage, we've looked at some several different things. We're going to go through it once again. What this passage is talking about that we should be doing as we're seeking the fullness of Christ in our lives. So number one, we need to listen. That's what he's talking about in verse 13. He says, when I send pestilence, when I send the locusts, when I send problems your way, God tries to get our attention through the difficulties that we're facing. So let me just stop for a moment so everybody understands. Usually you and I go through stuff for three reasons. Number one, because that's life. Okay? Stuff happens because we live in a sinful world, right? Okay. Number two, we create the problems for ourselves. Sin always results in consequences. Do you understand? So we create the problems for ourselves. Now here's the third reason why stuff happens, difficult situations happen in our lives. Because God's trying to get your attention. And how do I know when God's trying to talk to me and it's not just stuff that I'm normally going through or it's stuff that I created for myself? Well, usually when you go through the difficulty, you know in your heart that God's trying to talk to you. And everybody's like, man, I don't understand why you're going through that, but you're sitting there and you're saying, yeah, but I do. I know why we're going through this. Because God's trying to talk to me. See, that's the first thing, is listen. He wants us to listen to him. He's trying to get our attention. Listen. Here's the second thing he does. He says, we need to be humble. We need to have humility. Now, when we talk about humility, I am not talking about the humility that we express towards each other. Because there's such thing as fake humility. You can be fake in being humble before people. Oh, please don't. Don't say that I'm wonderful. I'm, I'm just nothing. You ever had people do that? Oh, you know, you did such a wonderful job. Oh, it was nothing. It was nothing. Please tell me more, but it was nothing. So that, that's human fake humility. But when you talk about God, you can't pull the fake humility card with God. Why? He knows everything about you. He knows your motives and your thoughts. So when you talk about humbling yourself before God, you're talking about being real. God, I am nothing without you. God, I am a sinner. If it wasn't for your grace and your mercy in my life, I would be nothing. I would be heading to hell. Humility. Here's the second one. Prayer. Now, we've talked before about this. We're not just talking about throwing up prayers for a parking place. We're not talking about praying God zap them on your enemies. We're talking about praying so that you seek his face, that you seek his presence in your life. We're talking about you pursuing, through communication with God, a deeper relationship with him. Prayer. The next thing we talked about last week, repentance. Now, what in the world are we talking about repentance? Now, remember last week we talked about it, and, and and oftentimes we think of repentance in terms of a work and something I need to change as far as my actions. Well, actions do get changed, but that's not the first step is changing actions. Repentance talks about changing your mind. 
It's about coming to the place where something clicks with you that things have to change. You realize that you can't keep going on the way that you're going, and it clicks with you that I've got to change. I've got to do something about this. And God, I am coming to you because I need your help to do this. Repentance. Now, here's the final thing we're going to talk about today. Waiting. Waiting. Now, sounds like that's talking about us. Because we're the ones who are pursuing God for the fullness of the Spirit in our lives. We're the ones who are pursuing Him for, to, for us to, for Him to fulfill that desire that He's creating in our lives. And so it sounds like we're going to talk about how you need to wait for God to do it. And there is an aspect of that. But actually, when we talk about waiting, it's not talking about us. It's talking about God. It's talking about He's waiting. He's waiting on you. He's looking for you to decide that you need Him. That you want Him. Now, here's what we're looking at. So here's the next point. We must recognize that the one who calls will respond to you. So if we're going to talk about this aspect of waiting, you need to recognize that the one who calls will respond to you. Now, what do we mean by the one who calls? Well, remember, we started out this series talking about how God plants within every believer a desire for him. You have a desire for something more in your life. Remember, I've told you that. So, you know, like, for instance, I've, I've said this repeatedly. God didn't die on a cross simply so that you could go to a church service. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not what Christianity is about. Simply so that you could just come and worship and pray and give and sit in a pew. That's not what it's about. It's always been about something so much more. It's been about you having an intimate relationship with the God of the universe, where you see him working in your life day to day, and you experience his presence in your life. Is that not what we want? Is that not a desire that is within our hearts? I mean, sometimes we have other stuff that kind of cloud out the desire or diminish the desire, but somewhere in us is something, a desire for so much more. But here's what you got to understand. we got to recognize that the one who calls us will fulfill that desire, because here's what happens. We've got that desire, and we live in a, we live in a, a culture, a society that says, if you want it, you got to go for it. Well, have you ever tried going for trying to fulfill that desire God placed in your heart? You can't fulfill it. No matter what you try to do, you can't bust down the door to God. He's the one who fulfills it. But here's the thing you've got to understand. He wants to fulfill it. He wants to respond to you. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the whole issue of his respondings. But before we get to that, we got to deal with our insecurities. By the way, do you know that you're insecure? No, I'm not, George. I can handle anything. No, you can't. 
You sure can't handle it spiritually. Whether you realize it or not, whether you communicate it or not, every single one of you, including myself, is pretty insecure when it comes to the relationship with God. Would you agree with that? When it comes to the relationship with God, we're pretty insecure. How? Well, I'm going to throw up three things for you. Number one, we're bothered by the apparent delay in answering us. That bothers us, doesn't it? I mean, you read the passages, if you whatsoever you ask in my name, I will grant unto you. You're like, wow, that is such a wonderful blessing, a promise that God says he will answer my prayers. But then you pray. And you pray. And you pray. And time goes by. Months go by. Years go by, and there's no answer. Now, okay, am I the only one here? Doesn't that bother us? Doesn't that make us insecure? Because, I mean, I just read this promise. Must be me. He does say in Psalm 66, if we regard iniquity in our heart, he will not hear us. What is it, Lord? I thought I confessed everything. We're bothered by the apparent delay in answering us. Here's the second thing I want you to see. We begin to wonder if we made a mistake in pursuing his leading. We begin to wonder if we've made a mistake in pursuing his leading. Because I I know what's going on here. I know. Some of you, you've been listening for the last 10 weeks, and you've been hearing me talk about this desire that God's put within us for something more, and it's more than just a service. It's a relationship with him. And you've been hearing me about praying and repenting and, and coming to a place of surrender so you can experience the fullness in your life, and that's what you're praying about. And guess what? You've been praying and praying and praying and you've been seeking and you're like, God, I really want that for my life. And nothing's happening. It's not what I thought it would be. Where is this? And so we begin to wonder, you know... Did George have one too many cheeseburgers before he decided to do this series? Did he get some bad beef? I mean, because, I mean, he had me. But it's not happening. Did I spend a lot of time and, and get my hopes up for something more? Isn't that what we do? We get our hopes up for something more, and we don't see it happen, and we begin to wonder, well, did I just get my hopes up for nothing? Did I get my hopes up for nothing? That's our insecurities, isn't it? Hey, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm the one who's preaching these messages. I'm the one who's trying to help us, guide us all there to be ready. Do you think you're the only one feeling insecure? What about me? Here's the third thing. 
Our tendency is to give up the pursuit. I'm just being honest with you. Our tendency is to give up the pursuit. Our tendency is to say, you know what? It's been 10 weeks, George. I'll try it one more week, but you know what? If God doesn't show up in a real way in my life, I've just got to get on with life. I just got to get on with life. Now, I've got something to say to you before we look at what he's saying here about the waiting aspect. Isn't it interesting that the Bible will, and all the Gospels, will tell a series of parables to get you to understand why you need to not give up? What do you mean? Well, it talks about a widow who loses a coin in a house, and it's so precious to her, what does she do? She turns the house upside down till she what? Finds that coin. He tells another one right after that, and he says there was a guy who was walking through a field, and he stumbled upon a buried treasure. He's excited. He covers it back up. Guess what he does? He does everything he can to go what? Buy the field so that he can have what? The treasure. Talks about a merchant who goes out and he finds a pearl of great price. Why anybody would want a little round white thing, I don't know. But he does. He's It's like very valuable. So what does he do? He sells everything he has so that he can have that pearl of great price. Now, why would Jesus share those stories? He's sharing the story to show you don't give up. Because if you really want something from God, will you do whatever it takes to get it? Will you? I hope you will. I hope I will. That's the point here. But the problem is, is we got our insecurities. So here's what I want to talk about, because this is the final part here, waiting. It's not about you waiting for God. It's about he's waiting for you. Why? What we're going to see is, is that God is waiting. And how we're going to see it is from the parable of the prodigal son. Now, let me just stop for a moment because I was really thinking about that this week as far as the context of what was being taught here in the prodigal. Normally, you know, I've I've been a believer now since 1985. For 33 years, I've followed Jesus. And I've heard the story of the prodigal many times in messages. And typically, the story of the prodigal is presented as a boy who was really lost, who didn't know God, and he finds God. Is that what you've heard? Yeah? Okay. Actually... If you understand the context, you can't say that. It's about a Jewish boy who, by the way, is a part of the people of God. But he decides that he's going to, rather than live under the oppression, as he would call it, live under the way God wants him to live, he decides to go out on his own. Well, let's read the story together. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions. 
with prodigal living. But when he spent all, he there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he was and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? And I will arise and go to my father's house, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, listen to this, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Listen, folks, this is a story of a child of God who decides to go at their own and comes back to the Lord. And what I want you to see, we talked about the child last week. We talked about coming to our senses. That's what the guy did. He came to a census, right? That's repentance last week. This week, I'm going to talk to you about the father. Because the father here is a picture of God. And I'm going to show you that he's waiting. That's the final thing we need to see when we talk about seeking the fullness of the Spirit. So notice with me, three things. Number one, the Lord is pictured as watching for our return. The Lord is pictured as watching for our return. You know, when you read this story, in our Western mind, we don't grab it, but the ancients, when they read it, would have grasped the reality that what this young man did to his dad was a terrible offense, would have brought shame on the father, the way that he treated his dad. Now, we're in a world where everybody's for themselves, and who cares how you treat whoever? That's our country, Right? But in their culture, fathers have a little bit more clout. And the way you treated your dad was reflective of things. And the way that he basically went to his dad and said, Dad, I want my inheritance now, he's basically saying to his dad, Dad, I wish you were dead. Because I want to get on with my life. And that's really a disrespectful thing to do. In fact, Having done that, the dad could have just disowned him. He could have, like we say around here, wrote him off. But I want you to notice the passage, the story Jesus tells that what's the dad doing? He's watching the road. 
Why is he watching the road? Because he's watching for his son to what? Come back. See, this is the picture I want you to see. The Lord, he lets you go do what you want to do, and he lets you face the consequences of the stuff that you decide to do. And folks, we do face the consequences, don't we? And, and and we spend lots of time wishing we could go back and change it. We we carry the shame of what we've done, and we we wish that somehow we there was such a thing as a time machine, and we could go back and change it again and and make it all right. But that's not possible, is it? But here he is. God is saying, "I'm waiting. I'm watching." I'm watching for you to come back. I'm watching for you to come to your senses and come back. He's waiting. Think, think back, think back to 2 Chronicles chapter 15. I am waiting for you to respond in prayer. He's saying, I'm, I'm waiting for your prayer in this place, God is saying. Isn't that awesome? Here's the second thing. The Lord takes the initiative with our return to him. The next amazing thing to me in this passage isn't just that God's sitting on the porch waiting for the boy to come home. It says that when he saw him afar off, that's like he saw him down the distance. I mean, probably he saw a figure coming. He somehow the the dad knew it was his son. Guess what? He just doesn't say, okay, well, we'll wait till he gets here and see what he does. That's not the attitude of the dad. What does the dad do? He gets up, runs to his son. That's, folks, he runs to the one who offended him. He runs to the one who did wrong. God takes the initiative in reaching out. All right, stop for a moment. You say, how do I know he's taking the initiative in my life? Okay, hold on, hold on. I want you to think with me. You've messed up, right? Somewhere in your life, I don't care what it is, you've messed up. You have regrets, right? You have sins that you carry. Isn't it interesting that even in spite of that, he still puts a desire in your heart for something more? Listen to me. Think about that. I want you to let that soak in. Let me say it again. We messed up, right? Okay. We've sinned against God, right? We've done our own thing, right? Okay. We said to him, you know what, God, I know you told me not to do this, but I know better. And so you did it on your no better, and guess what? You're no better off, are you? And somehow, in the midst of that, he puts this desire in your heart for something more from God? Something more from the relationship? 
Where did that come from? That sure didn't come from you because if it was up to you, you would have said, hey, I screwed it up. There's no way. There's no way possible God would ever want to have anything to do with me because I didn't listen to him. I did my own thing. I did. Where did that desire come from, folks? God. He takes the initiative. He takes the initiative. Here's the final thing we see from the passage. He will bestow the blessing on you as you seek Him again. He will bestow the blessing on you as you seek Him again. you gotta, you got to believe that. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm telling you. The one who gave you the desire will fulfill it. The one who gave you the desire will fulfill it. Do you believe that? Okay, I'm not just saying verbally. I'm asking you, do you believe that? Do you believe that by faith? Is it driving you to seek after Him? Is it driving you in your prayers? Is it driving you when you say to Him, Lord, I, I know I'm, I messed up. I carry the regret. I carry the shame. Lord, I want something different. And Lord, I know you're waiting for me. And you will give me the blessing you called me to. It's that simple, folks. How do you get it? You go to him by faith and you ask him for it. And you wait by faith until he gives it. And he will. When will he do it? I don't know. But he will. But you live by faith. Believing him to fulfill what he said he's going to do. Because he's the one who put the desire in your heart. Listen, if you were the guy who did that to your dad and lived out with the pigs and came back and you're just willing to ready to be a servant again, I'll take out the garbage, would you be expecting God to act that way towards you, the father to be acting that way? No, not at all. You would expect a whip. But that's not what he got, was it? He got the Lord bestowing a blessing on him. And it, look what it said at the end. And they were married together. Wow, what excitement, isn't it? Okay, so let's wrap this up. God has something that he wants to do in your life. He didn't save you just to attend a church service. Do you hear me? That's not what Christianity is about. It's about seeing the living God working in your life and experiencing His presence. He has something for you. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You are his masterpiece. 
His workmanship, which he has prepared good works for you to walk in before the beginning of the foundation of time, it says there. He has something he wants to do. Folks, he has something for our church. He has something for our church. Do you believe that? He has something for our church. Now my question is to you, what are you going to do with that? You're going to file that away in the filing cabinet of your mind and say, oh, you know, that's a good thought, George. I'll think about that sometime later. Or are you going to allow it to take root in your life and bring forth some kind of fruit? Because you've decided you want something more from God. I pray that you would do the latter. Let me pray for you.